to the latest episode of the Customer Experience Superheroes podcast. This is the series in which I, Christopher Brooks, bring you some of the thought leaders from across the globe who share their ideas, their insights, their inspiration for a progressive and accelerating world of customer experience. In this episode, it is a personal pleasure for me to meet up with a colleague, Piotr Wojcierowski. Piotr, based in Poland, is one of the most talented CX professionals I've come across. Piotr and I met earlier and we discussed a really important topic, the customer-centric mindset. And what is it that makes a customer-centric mindset? In a journey across this particular topic, we also hear about Piotr's own personal approach to customer experience and some of the truly innovative ways in which he's connecting with his customers and progressing customer experience in Poland. Let's meet Piotr now. Piotr, we're going to go through a number of things in our conversation today, and I'm particularly interested to understand your take on the customer-centric mindset. Having a mind that thinks differently about customer centricity, and we'll we'll come on to that. But yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've not only got to know you, but I've had the pleasure of working with you and uh, can say firsthand what a quality and expert CX professional you are. That said, many of our listeners won't have had that benefit. So would you mind just introducing yourselves, but giving us a bit of an appreciation of where you come from in the world of customer experience, how you got into it and what your current role is? Okay, thank you for this uh, nice introduction. I found myself uh, in the customer experience area through working in uh, innovation consultancy. It was the, the moment when I uh, started to look uh, closer to this area of design, innovation, service, design thinking at the very beginning. And I was working there for some time. And later on, I quit this job. I started to work as a design thinking trainer, consultant, freelancer. And through this, I came to the moment when I founded my company. At the very beginning, we were focusing on service design practice. We are still doing it because we are still using service design. But at some point, we focused our projects and our investments and education on customer experience. And at this moment, we are connecting this customer experience elements with service design projects, uh, making it work all together. This consultancy since seven years already, so quite a lot of time so far. And as for now, on one hand, I'm a company owner, so I have all these tasks related to being a company owner. But on the other hand, I'm a consultant and I'm working on a daily basis with our client and we are running several customer experience projects. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. So tell me, Fuzas is, as you said, it's well established, seven years. There's a lot of learning and a lot of development, and you've obviously been honing your craft as you go on. Your background is interesting because many people in customer experience seem to come from a customer service or a marketing background or even an insight. You come from a design background, so a very interesting kind of context you bring. To be honest, I'm coming from the training industry because it was my first company. It was a training company and we were selling trainings, different ones, 
sales training, team management, and this kind of stuff. And a bit by accident, I joined this innovation company where everything started for me. I'm not a designer by education, so I graduated in psychology and management. So this design area was new to me and I got into it as a kind of outsider, I think. And for a long time, I was thinking about myself as an outsider. So because there were so many people who were design educated and they finished and graduated from design studies. But at this moment, I think that it's a kind of advantage. It's giving a bit of different perspective than people from design education have. It's not better, it's not worse, it's simply different. It just means you're, you're richer and deeper in the knowledge and insight you have coming into it. One thing I'd like to ask about is Fusers. Now, you've established Fusers in Poland. Now, I've had the benefit of working some time in Poland. Do you see the way in which customer experience is evolving in Poland? Is it in particular sectors? Is it with an aim? Is it supporting regulatory drive? What is the motivation for customer experience? Your take on it in Poland? Definitely, I see um, uh, customer experience. It was somehow present in the companies. There were people who were taking care of it, but uh, it was just a very small piece of the market. It is still not so huge as, uh, for example, marketing or sales departments or areas of, of the market, but it has grown. And there is, on one hand, so many people within the companies who are running this kind of initiatives, who are building take structures in the companies and on the other hand there is more and more consultants companies there is a lot of big consultancies and big for example advertising and ux agencies who are developing this kind of sex practices so at some point i think that we are in a tipping point or at the beginning of a tipping point in poland as it comes to the customer experience and there is huge potential but still there is a lot uh, of things to do because uh, i think that somehow at the beginning of the journey we are talking a lot we are doing a bit more but on this operational level when we are working with the companies there is still so many challenges which are quite far from this huge words we are saying sometimes at the very beginning when we are coming to the idea of centricity. But do you think you've got some advantages? I mean, obviously, for quite some time, there was a kind of a, a US blueprint to customer experience that was stamped around the globe until it was started to realise that it doesn't work. You know, it needs to be adapted and, and it needs to be empathetic to the drivers of business success in each country. But you have got a number of years of different countries and different ways it's been approached. So Poland coming to it now, are you able to fast track some learning or or are the same mistakes being made where people are just jumping to a measure or diving to a journey map? Or is there a more mature approach to it you're finding? I think that it depends. It depends on a company, it depends on, on people and their experience and perspective. But from my point of view, I think that we are in a moment where it has changed from we are taking everything what was somehow easy to be found in the internet or somebody brought it or, or we read about it uh, somewhere. Then we are taking this and using without thinking how to adapt it, how it's going to impact our processes and so on. Now we are still learning and we are still taking a lot from many places and resources. But I think that many people at this moment, they are more reflective. They are adapting tools, they are adapting methods. 
they are bringing them, but they are thinking, okay, it looks good, but let's think how we are going to implement into our reality, because taking it one-to-one from the US or UK or whichever market we can take, it's not working in a way we would love to. And just how is it with clients, and maybe this is your style, we've heard people talk and say sometimes clients want you to just do it all for them. Sometimes you need to really prove the case before you get traction, whereas others want to work together, collaborate and develop their understanding along the journey. What's your preference? How do you like to work? When it comes to Fuzzers and my team and our experience, we are mainly working with our clients in this collaborative way. And most of the requests for proposals we are receiving from them, it's about working in this way. So during this last seven years, I had maybe three up to five projects that were done like a projects without this collaboration where we are just delivering the products from the contract. And mainly it's this way. I think that the main reason is that in this way, our clients are learning a lot when they are cooperating with us. They are watching how we are proceeding, how we are doing things. And many times at the beginning of the project, they are saying about this, that we want to learn. We want to see how the agency is doing that. And we want to be part of this process because in this way we can later on do at least half of this job by ourselves. This is it. And from my point of view, this collaborative way is more popular, at least in case of my company. And would you say, despite the fact that you've been practicing for many years, this collaborative approach, are you still learning from clients? You still hear something, hey, that's really interesting. I've not thought about that perspective. Do they bring things to the table that excite you as well? Yeah, they do. They do. Especially that in case of users, we don't have this industry specialization. So it means that we are not working only with financial companies, for example. We have a lot of banks, we are cooperating with a lot of banks, but still we are making projects for other clients also and other industries. So it gives us a lot of different perspective. And yes, clients are also full of inspiration and we are learning a lot. And now I see that more and more often we are asking them, for example, for a short presentations about their perspective, about their business, because in this way we can learn a lot about them and about the way they are seeing the world and their challenges. So definitely, yes. Great. It's really reassuring to hear. You mentioned there about banking. Now, my experience of banking is, it's been a few places, Austria, France and Portugal, as well as the UK. Is there the race for digitalization in Polish banking that we see in other places and and what's your view on that? Is that good? Is it making things more efficient? Or do you worry that the human side of those very emotional engagements about money are being lost? How is it progressing in Poland? When it comes to the digital side of the Polish banking, it looks really good. Poland as a country is one of the leaders of digitalization in banking sector and it's well known globally. I saw some reports about this. We have a lot of really cool digital solutions in banking and there is a lot of people using them. So this digitalization is normal stuff as for now. But if you're asking about fears related to this, there are some of them. The biggest one for me is the situation where the company is trying to digitalize everything for the sake of digitalization itself. 
to say that we are digital and they are like closing this human touch and human contact totally in the name of the digitalization. And on one hand, I really understand it from the business point of view. In the long run, it makes sense. But from this customer experience perspective, from this human perspective, I would love uh, to see the situation where on one hand we have this digitalization because it's a part of our world and it's a normal thing now. But still, we have this possibility to uh, contact somebody in case we need it. Uh, I also think that this uh, personal contacts and human touch uh, would become kind of a premium service you, you will be charged for, more pro most probably. And you will be also, you will have this willingness to pay for that, for this contact in case you need it, because in most of the cases you can, or you will be able to do things digitally. Like for example, when I'm analyzing my relation with bank, I don't know when last time I was in the bank branch. So when, especially when it comes to the consumer finances, because when it comes to the company, it's becoming, it's more often. But when it comes to the B2C market, it's almost unnecessary. We are digital when it comes to the banking and the level of digitalization is really high. But this risk or this fear I have is about this closing this human touch completely. And I think that we should live at least a bit and we can charge people for that. We can monetize somehow this human. I think that it will be important for the customer experience. It's very interesting you say that because I also recognize the need, but yeah, where there's a need and people want it enough, perhaps the banks, as you say, will look and say the only way we can afford this is if we premiumize it and it will become human interaction will become a luxury. But, but I think that this is happening. I don't know what are your experiences at this point but for example when it comes to our practice as a consulting takes company and when it comes to the physical workshops for example or physical meetings with client after pandemic it has changed a lot like everywhere mm -hmm. it's nothing new but now uh, i see that this uh, human touch in terms of our business is becoming premium service and uh, we, we are charging for example additionally for this option that we are going somewhere and somebody has to cover all these costs related to this trip. And there are clients who are saying, okay, we are able to pay for that because it's important for us, we want this. And there are some who are saying, okay, we see the cost of this personal contact, so let's stay online and we can do this project online. And I think it's a kind of fair deal because everybody is happy. Uh, we are giving this opportunity and they can choose. I think that will become quite the same in many different areas. Well, that's, a fair, that's a fair point. What, one of the things we were just talking about there, kind of the humanization uh, or retained some kind of hum, human engagement. Um, we did a, a study looking at what mattered most to customers. And, and that was one of the things that came through. And what we realized was that you needed to have quite an enlightened leader who's curious to understand what is the value of digital in my business? If my business is about relationships, what is the value of digital? And this just brings me on to, to the topic of the customer-centric mindset. And enlightened leaders are those who are able to be a role model for others in terms of what good customer centricity looks like. And I wouldn't mind just playing with a few of these attributes and just getting your take on them because we always have mm -hmm. a good conversation and I think it would be really good to get your view on this. So the first one being 
the idea of kind of perpetual curiosity, always the Simon Sinek kind of asking why. Do you think it's important in customer experience that we are so curious and respectfully challenging and wanting to know more? I think that it's damnly important. Even today, I had a talk with one of our clients and she said to me that she witnessed the situation in her company when they did the customer research, they had a lot of customer insights. They make, made the prioritization of this customer insight. They saw what is most important from the point of view of the customer. And the product team, when they saw it, literally said, fuck the voice of the customer. We are going to do this in this way. And on one hand, maybe we can somehow explain this approach. But for me, it's about this curiosity you mentioned, because even you are not agree, with this point of view, even you have some other ideas or the way of doing things. The simple fact of being curious what these people said, what our clients have in mind would be nice to be implemented in this situation. So for me, this curiosity is kind of basis when we are coming about, when we are talking about customer centric mindset and without this curiosity, it would be difficult to run any kind of sales transformation in my opinion, because if you are not curious about your clients, what they are saying, what they are thinking, what they are feeling, then it makes no sense to start any kind of customer experience related projects within your company. So, yeah. <laughs> Great. I think we both very much agree on that one. And obviously, you know, that curiosity, sometimes there's another piece that comes with it. It's the empathy, having, you know, being able to empathize with the context, the situation your customers are in or em employees are under. I mean, it's not probably a word that's used a lot in customer experience. For you, how do you really help an organization be empathetic to its customers? It's not just saying it, is it? You've got, mm -hmm. to, you've got to live it. How do you get to that point? We're trying to force them to use their own services in different contexts. So <laughs> I think it's the best way to, to become empathetic towards your clients, because you can talk a lot about customer perspective, but as long as you are not doing things that they have to do on daily basis, you won't understand them. And uh, any agency, any amount of insights uh, from external company won't help here. But this is what we are trying to do. On one hand, we are doing it by ourselves. So for example, when we had a project about the customer journey for opening a bank account. People from my team were opening accounts in this bank. So nothing spectacular, nothing new for people who are working in this area. But on the side of companies, it's extremely innovative approach because on, they are not doing this on a daily basis. It's easy to understand. They have a lot of other tasks to do. So this is what we are trying to do on a daily basis, trying to force them to see and to experience their own processes to buy through their shops, to open their accounts and to make reservations through their booking pages. And then they are becoming really empathetic. It's the one way. And the second way, if we can't somehow invite them or force them to do this service safari stuff, how we call it, we are inviting them to listen to their customers at least. So we are running interviews, we are running observations, we are running different uh, research activities, but they are part of it. And it's related to the topic we had before 
this collaborative cooperation between us and our clients. And this collaborative cooperation in practice means that, for example, they are present during the interviews and they can listen what customers say. And I think it's really important because then it's much more easy. It's easier simply to proceed with the project in the organization because they understand the inside and understand the source, they understand the context. And this is it. And in this way, they are also becoming a bit more empathetic when they listen to stories from original clients and not only presentations with our insights and our reports and so on. Two quite simple ways, but they are really powerful if they are implemented really and they are put into action. Great advice, uh, Piotr. I mean, brilliant, because obviously they're not they're not expensive things to do, and uh, yeah, what better way than actually becoming a a customer of the experience you're trying to improve, then be able to have empathy with what people are going through. So it's a great advice. I'm sure people will be scribbling that one down and taking it back. Very good advice, especially if you happen to be Ferrari or uh, Disney World or something. I mean, come on, we can. Yeah, we have in Fuzzers we have this informal list of companies we would love to work with because we would love to make the service safari for them. <laughs> so yeah, I can list them somehow in the description of this uh, of this uh, podcast. So maybe somebody they, they will approach yeah, us later. Exactly, on. we'll put it in and they can tap. Ferrari in. is there, to be honest. <laughs> I got close a few years ago. I did a collaboration between a payments company and Ferrari. I got to put my toe in the water, but I won't admit to having done anything more than a toe in the water. But uh, yeah, I can I can see the value in, in selecting the clients that you would think that will be a great experience. Yeah, but it, it, it's definitely interesting. Like all this service safari we are doing, mainly girls in my team, because at this moment I have only girls in my team. Lately, they were doing service safari connected with field research. They were visiting some areas outside the city, looking for people who have some heating solutions from gas providers outside of their homes. And they were talking with people outside of their homes and so on. And it might seem strange in the era of digitalization, all this digital research tools and so on. But at the end, it works really, really good. And it gives us also a lot of new knowledge and perspective. So I really believe in this kind of of stuff. Yeah, the list is growing. There is a lot of company would like to do service safari with. <laughs> Very good. This service safari fits into this category, but another of the categories that we found was very prevalent in the kind of the leaders of CX was the willingness to experiment and try new things. We found that not just sticking to the same old formula, but those in customer experience who do stand out are happy to break the boundaries and try things, not necessarily with a proven business case, but perhaps backed up with some, some insight or some indication that it could be of value to customers. How important do you think that is? Just not experimenting for the sake of experimenting, but being bold and brave enough to try new things. I think it's especially important if you are working in the corporate environment, because at least in our case, we are working mainly with corporate clients. So on a daily basis, we see a lot of people who have this courage to experiment, but this courage, it's not normal thing in their organization. So they have it, but it's not the same when it comes to the management board and their leaders and so on. 
it is important, but it is important to have this courage on all levels of organization to make it work because it's not enough when this level of operation have this courage and they are doing things, they are trying to experiment because at the end, in, especially in the huge organization, somebody will say, stop, we are not working in this way. We have product roadmap here. We have to go step by step. So please focus on your job and uh, do not create additional tasks for us. <laughs> and yeah, coming back to the point, it is important, but I think that we should start from the management boards from the yeah. leaders, we can teach them. We should uh, invite them for the service safari. We yeah. should invite them to try new solutions because uh, in this way, slowly we can change the mindset and it will go down to the lower levels to these operations. But uh, in other direction, at some point it will stuck anyway. Excellent, excellent. But I think good advice there. Yeah, you just can't have small pockets of it. Can't be siloed. It needs to be a spirit kind of part of the culture, doesn't it? Yeah, but it, is, it is difficult because there is so many people up there in the management boards there who are really experienced. They have their own paths of doing things and they are not really willing to change anything mm -hmm. because it's risky and it can impact their salary, their position, their status and many other things. So it's a really complicated case and topic, but still I think that somehow we should approach them and start with them or from them i'm with you on that i do recognize that the sort of conventional approach but you need to get them on board there's seven traits we've identified just another one i want to talk to you about is the spirit of sharing everything with the intention of allowing faster accelerated progress we quite often come across in organizations brilliant individuals who just have no there's no means for them to share what they know with other people we also come across in some industries people who know stuff but they hold it back for fear of them then not having value but we recognize that you need to share everything in order to get progress what's your take on that are you a supporter of that sort of thinking of sharing everything or do you think you should hold it i'm definitely for sharing everything and I think that without this, we won't finally have any impact on the business side of our organizations, because especially now our processes are so complex and they are involving so many different business units. For example, some time ago, we did a touch point map with one of our financial customers and there was a process the bank and we came up uh, we saw on this uh, point map that there was 16 business units involved in delivering this process it's difficult to imagine that uh, without sharing we can really change this process and change the experience with process and with a brand so i'm really in favor of sharing and we are also trying to promote it somehow for example through different kind of workshops where we are presenting the results of the project and we're inviting different people different stakeholders i know you are doing quite the same things in your uh, in your projects and this is it so yeah i'm really 
into it and i think that it's really important to share all the data we have about customers and all the data we have also about business mm -hmm. because many organizations we have this data related to our department but we really do not understand how our business works because we have no information we really don't don't know what our customers says from outside of our part of the reality and still it's uh, it's of course difficult when it comes to the huge organizations how to connect all this data into one dashboard that it's easy to use and it's easy to understand to work with but i think it's really, really important it's worth the effort isn't it so th th thank you Patricia. really useful to get your kind of context on that just some of the things i was talking about there about sharing i just prompted in my mind how does it work in poland what's the community like for customer experience is it a very open community or or do you need to connect up with other parts of europe to get an exchange going how how's it how's it forming i think that it's becoming more and more open but to be honest there is not many customer experience focused organization on let's say national level there were some tries but they are not really active at the moment as far as i know lately there was a first customer and employee experience conference in poland which right. took place in fall 2022 it's the organizers of this conference they have this goal i suppose also to somehow unite the sex community in poland but uh, in this context i think that we are at the very very beginning and this organizations like for example uh, European Customer Experience Organization or Customer Experience Professional Association, I think that they are not really popular in Poland, at least for now. Uh, there are some people who know about them, but there is almost no activities under umbrella of, uh, of those organizations uh, or any other organizations related to customer experience, uh, um, honestly. Mm. And, and finally, if I might touch on something that we're going to be collaborating on later in the year that I'm very excited about, you heard about the customer experience world games and you asked if we could run one specifically in poland which i thought was a great idea gonna happen later in the year how excited about this are you really excited i can't wait to do it because i think that it would be really amazing to do something along our corporate business oriented work and i really believe that we can use our customer experience, co-creation, cooperative skills and everything related to it for doing something really good and truly really impactful. Because the truth is that in many of our corporate projects, it's difficult to find this impact. Mm -hmm. We are delivering, we are delivering a lot of things, but impact on the real impact that it's measurable, it's really difficult to find sometimes. So I think that this completely different area of doing something good and using takes for good can be really more impactful and we can do a lot of good things. So I can't wait and uh, looking for that. Right. We're very excited and we had some some incredible success when we ran World Games normally runs in English just as a default language. We ran it previously in Spanish as a default language. Okay. And it just brought in a much wider audience because you have some people who are brilliant in CX. The only thing they don't do is speak perfect English. That's the only. Yeah. So why is that? A, why is that a, a reason for them not to engage in it? Extending the approach similar to, to Poland and have people playing in Polish will hopefully draw in some more people who are great at CX but just less confident in English, which seems mm -hmm. again. Yeah silly reason not to be a part of it it'll connect the community up and as you say find space to to give back and 
I'm very excited about that. I also think that the really important point about the community in this context is that based on my TEDx experiences and running a TEDx conference in in Lublin for several years, I see that it's much more easy to build a community around non-commercial things. I don't know, maybe there is like less feeling of concurrence. Maybe this is it. I'm not sure. But at some point, it's much more easy. So I also think that this takes for good projects could be, at least for some people, a good way to join the takes community and try to do something all together to get to know each other and so on. If it works like it has with other world games, they become the benefits. We we start it thinking the benefit will be for the charities we help, but actually players tell us, you've connected me with people, I've learned new things, I feel more confident, I actually do know what I'm talking about, and I feel really good for giving back as well. I'm sure all those same things will come through. And we'll make people aware of that as it comes up. But but for now, Piotr, if people want to get hold of you, what's the best way to get hold of you? You said some really useful stuff in this session. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you don't, obviously, people understand your English is excellent. So you're not just working in Poland. You're open to looking at projects across other parts of the world as well, I assume. So how do people reach you if they want to speak to you? You can reach me through my LinkedIn profile, so you can easily find me on the LinkedIn, or you can approach me simply by writing an email, and I think that somewhere we can put this email. Yeah, into we'll put your LinkedIn profile and your email address into the description for you. And regarding this working outside of Poland, yes, we are open. As for now, we are we had mainly projects in Poland in many different mm-hmm. sectors, some small activities outside but there were really small ones and we are open and even for that i finally started to translate our web page so <laughs> during upcoming weeks we'll have english web page so it will be much more easy to understand how we can help you in case you would be interested okay piotr thank you very much not least of all for thank you very much in english as well because obviously sadly my polish is lacking i have to rely upon my colleague Rodrigo, who is Mexican, which is a strange setup. <laughs> he speaks Polish. You know, he, he speaks, speaks Polish. Polish. There yeah. we go. There we go. But Piotr, it's always a pleasure to talk with such a, an acclaimed CXer, and you bring a really fresh perspective to the world of CX. So we're grateful for having you in the community. Good luck you to much. you and Fuzas throughout the course of the year and the future. And I can't wait to collaborate with you again on on CX World Games, and hopefully on other projects together commercially also. So. Piotr, thank you so much for joining us on CX Superheroes. Thank you for the invitation. Goodbye. Goodbye, bye-bye.